You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we're not paying for you to go anywhere. I'm your host, Justin M. Wisniewski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, especially perhaps this episode. Joining me this trip from Dale's lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, which creates a whole host of problems concerning the content of this episode, William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm uh, I'm scheduling my abortions now so that the midside will pay <laughs> for my uh trip to Orlando that I'd like to uh I'd like to do this fall. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, do they offer abortions in Germany? I need to go visit my sister as well. <laughs> Can you as a identifying woman get an abortion? Is that uh, awesome? Hey, if if there's a female penis, then there has to be a male abortion. So I think, depending on what am I de- identifying as at, at that current moment, I think I should be able to to get it. Uh, I, I don't know what it will be. I mean, I, I'm assuming it would be the medical version, not the surgical version, but I, I don't know. I, I'll leave that to my medical professionals. But uh, if they dare to tell me that I can't get it because I'm a, I'm a man, I'll remind them that I can and do often identify as a woman. I thought male abortion was just called masturbation. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's true. You're uh, you're uh, ending a potential life. Yeah, I just thought I'd lower the level of conversation at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> that way we've got we're nowhere to go but level. up. Nowhere to go but up. Yeah, we've got nowhere to go but up now. So, anything else going on with you besides all the shenanigans in the country this past oh, week? Oh, man, I somehow missed the traffic jam that was the 110 uh, the other day. Uh, uh, but uh, other than that, it's just been a... a great week um getting getting uh being very productive getting lots of work done and uh i had a friend's uh 40th birthday yesterday so i got to sing some karaoke uh got some uh, uh showed the the uh young kids uh the song fuel shimmer that was the karaoke song i did so yeah good times now i feel like a young kid fuel shimmer yeah mm-hmm. Who sings that? What is that? Fuel sings it. The, con- the song. Oh, that's why I don't know it. I don't know Fuel's catalog. Okay, I yeah. thought the song was called Fuel Shimmer. All right, Shimmer by Fuel. Yep. Okay, now I got it. Now I got it. Now All right. It. Yeah. Not much going on with me. You guys know how it is. I just tire myself out with wrestling, and then I get sick. So if I feel if I sound <laughs> a little congested, you know well, that's why. Well, you know, you would have enjoyed the UFC fight last <laughs> night. Uh, the the uh, the main card round. There was some phenomenal wrestling in that rounds uh in that uh in that fight so you'll have to catch the highlights um yeah i'll have to put, yeah give me the i think a lot of people, people watching thought that uh one the one that was a uh i think it was a 49 47 or 49 48 well it was like a basically the, the unanimous decision but it was like the judges were like this person was only slightly better than the other and i think it really came down to the grappling and the control time so uh so yeah i could see where a lot of people cry in the crowd were might have been confused about the winner but uh but watching that fight, it was there was some just some quick and uh, 
very slippery wrestling moves um, that were pretty pretty nice to see at that level. Yeah, well, send me the name of the the fighters, and I'll check out the highlights. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But we have to check out the highlights, or maybe we'll call them the lowlights, of everything that's happened in the country over the past, I don't even want to say week, it's like the last couple of days, because, you know, with the Supreme Court and all that. Yes, action-packed. All right, let's head into Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. Perhaps especially affirmations, because that's what everyone seems like they need right now, William. Everyone seems like they need affirmations. They need supports that their life matters. Because Roe v. Wade was overturned at the Supreme Court level and everybody went nuts on social media and everybody went nuts in the media, right? And we're going to get into all that. But I think it's really important first just to talk about what the actual decision opinion was. Well, I heard that they said that women are uh, chattel and uh, that's what the Supreme Court decision was. It was uh, basically, uh, uh, what's that Hulu show? It's just... uh, the, uh, the 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 women with the red uh, 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 nun outfits. What was what was that show called? Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the author Handmaid's is Margaret Tale. Atwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Handmaid's exactly. Tale. Yeah, exactly. How it's, bad it's, is it that uh, I knew the author's name but not the, the, the book's name? <laughs> I, that's what I heard. The Supreme Court decision was. Is yeah, right? the idea that women don't have rights, their lives don't have value. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what they said. But I it, think it was right in the summary of the decision. Right. Right, right here where it says held. I have the document open right now. It says held. Women are inferior creatures and do not deserve to live. Their only purpose is to cook and clean. Get back in the kitchen wearing your heels topless. Women and minorities hardest hit. Yeah, that's what the that's what that's what uh, the the Supreme Court said right there in their decision. Right. Uh, Jokes aside, I also saw on Twitter that it was a racist decision, which I thought was interesting. Did it? Did it? Why? Because. I don't know. I just said the, the racist court, uh, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait. Well, the only argument can be that uh, black women need abortions more. And perhaps you could argue it's a, a case of socioeconomic necessity. They can't afford children, so they need abortions more. So it's racist because it's forcing them to live in poverty longer and okay. more, making it harder for them to get out of poverty. That 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 would be the argument I would anticipate. But all of this, all of this oversimplifies it because I would bet, and we saw this with the don't say gay bill, right? Which wasn't actually called the don't say gay gay bill. Most people have not read any of the decision, have not read any of the opinion. And I say that because I linked to the document, all right? And uh, I'm going to throw the the document in discord right now as we're recording. So if you, you don't belong to the discord... You should, because you'll be able to see the PDF for the decision there, and I'm not going to put it on the website as a way to entice you to join the Discord. But when you look at it, it's a 213-page PDF. 
It's a 213-page PDF. And I'm not going to lie, William. I'm not going to take the time to read 213 pages. Why? Because A, I don't care that much. Oh, no. Controversy. And B, you don't need to. All you literally need to do is go to the first page. Okay? The first page says, held. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. So, let's talk about two things right now. One, this is not making abortion illegal. This is acting like, or not, sorry, everyone is acting like, who is against this, is acting like this makes abortion illegal. As if, simply because the Supreme Court says it's not a right, everyone is immediately going to ban it. That is either dishonest or delusional rhetoric, is it not, William? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I, I think that you can accept two facts at the same time. One, that in certain states this will uh, make abortion illegal, and at the same time that this controversial opinion... This is a step forward in gaining our rights. Here's, here's, here's what I mean by that. We're removing something from the control of the federal government. Now, the fact that it's going back to the state government, we can talk about that. But this is a gain, a net gain in our individual rights, saying, hey, the government cannot regulate this. The federal government right. cannot regulate this. Well, that goes to the, uh, the second point I was going to make, which is the first sentence in this opinion right in this judgment held the constitution does not confer a right to abortion there is a difference between you and i william saying abortion should be legal which i think we both agree with that statement do you agree with that statement yes i do as a now, woman and as a man depending no, doesn't matter who i'm man. identifying as <laughs> right right doesn't matter who you're identifying as what race you are any what sexuality or any of that it should be legal now again that's a very broad sweeping statement right i don't want to get into all the different exceptions you know uh, yeah details and nuance talking. apply right? right right details and nuance always apply but in this case the constitution does not confer a right to abortion i'm going to say something provocative the Constitution does not confer a right to most things, right? When you look at the first eight amendments, those are the only rights the Constitution confers. They even argued whether there should be a Bill of Rights. I mean, William, is there a constitutional right to buying Internet? Yeah, it is not an enumerated right. It's a right, right. that... It, I, think, I think the nuance here is... There's tons of things that we have that are rights that aren't conferred in the Constitution. I think that's another way right. of saying what you're trying to say. In other words, right. there, th but there's But I was trying to make things. it in a provocative, in yeah, a provocative yeah. way, William, because yeah. it's important for people to understand that. No one says the Constitution does not confer a right for you to buy steak. It does not confer a right for you to eat an impossible Whopper. These are not rights. And if a state bans it, a state bans it. What we're talking about here is the power of the federal government. These are the, the rights the federal government must protect. Why is it, and this is the real discussion here, why is it that people go to the extreme of thinking abortion is the right? 
is a right the government, the federal government must protect because this country was founded on the idea of federalism, right? The idea that all these different states can offer different lifestyles and different sets of rules and you can decide which ones you want to live in, which we'll get to that in a second with all this stuff with the companies. But my first question here is about the outrage. William, why is there so much outrage as if this is the end all be all of rights? I mean, I looked it up, right? About how many abortions there are a year, right? And now I'm not very good at math, right? But according to the CDC in 2019, there were 625,000 abortions. And according to the Guttmacher Institute, which I have no idea who they are, this is just from PewResearch.org, there were 930,000 abortions in 2020. Now, what percentage of the U.S. population is that? What percentage of the U.S. population is that? Do I need to do the calculator, or are you good enough with I can't math? Let's see. What, what, are we, what are we saying here? We got 330 million-ish, yeah. right? Uh, and then uh, what was the uh, number of abortions, or the number of people getting abortions? So they said this, I, uh, I think this is the number of, of legal abortions. So this okay. could, it's not number of people, it's number right. of abortions. I want to be clear about that. Although I think it's nearly impossible to have two abortions in one year, right? <laughs> Just, well, what was I the mean, number again? <laughs> although I, I take that back. It's mathematically possible. Uh, 625,000. 625,000. All right. right. Well, we've got That's the CDC's number. Million. Uh, that is 0. 0.0020. So less, le- uh, like, it's 0.2%. 0.2%. Okay, now do 930,000, which is right. from the Guttmacher Institute, which is a high number. That is 0.3%. Okay, so between... Now, let's assume this is all one person, right? Like What I mean is one per person, right? Let's oh. assume that. That's... Uh, 0.2% of the population or 0.3% of the population. Why is this an issue? Why is this an issue that people go crazy over and act like this is the end all and be all? Aren't there things that affect all of us? Aren't there things that affect everyone that are much bigger deals that people just completely ignore? Uh, how many homeless people are there in L.A. County versus how many people in L.A. County? Uh, I, bet, I, bet it's, I bet it's much higher about that percentage. Oh, yeah. Well, is it, okay, that's a perfect example, right? So when you're talking about California, why are there not protests on the highway, right? Because we saw the 110 freeway was shut down for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, context for folks not uh, that have uh, thankfully never been to L.A. The 110 is the uh, freeway that goes cuts through uh, from the beach, uh, uh, well, from from uh, um, from uh, San Pedro, I guess you'd say, all the way up into downtown L.A. Right, so that freeway was shut down because people were protesting the overruling of the ban, which, again, the over or the overruling of the, the, the cases that said it's a federal right, which, again, is just saying the states get to decide now, not that it's illegal. So they're protesting that. But Hold on, the states the or the people, not to get all pedantic, but, like, this, this decision, like most of the Supreme Court, Court decisions lately, is, is very narrow, right? It was only saying that the federal government has no say and basically nothing right. more, right? 
right. not saying anything about the legal or moral issues about when a life begins, all those things. They said, hey, the, you know, they said nothing. The silence, right? It's just, hey, the federal government cannot set this standard. Right. And it's interesting to me that people are protesting on the level. And like you're saying, why not get on the 110 freeway and protest the issue with all the homeless people? Why are we not taking care of them? Why do their lives matter less? Why is that less of an issue here? It just makes no sense to me. This is an example, William, of just political branding, is it not? Yeah, I think uh, this has been used. This, you know, there's a couple of issues that have just been used as like, quote unquote, wedge issues or single issue right. voting issues. You know, guns right. is often one of them. This is one of them. Um, so there's a sense in which there's just this knee-jerk manufactured like outrage. And this is not to lessen, you know, there, there are some folks who are, that should be genuinely concerned. There's certain people in certain States where this is a, this could be a concern, you know, political action may be necessary, or you might need to find a different place to live. If, if this is so important to you. Um, yeah. I mean, it comes, it's the same thing with, uh, I, I just to put it, I know it's different. So please don't think I'm making moral equivalent here, but, it's the same with gun rights. You know, I live in a uh, in a county in in a state with uh, terrible gun laws, and uh, and I in my hierarchy of values, I've had to you know had to deal with that fact and make accommodations and get around the the absolute rights violations, right? And uh, I, funny aside, I remember I think I replied to someone on Twitter, uh, folks. Uh, who following might have seen this, someone was making the point of like, oh, we'll need to do a constitutional amendment to protect abortion rights. And I was like, hey, uh, that's not worked too well for us with uh, gun rights. And uh, and uh, got a, a, a block for that. So uh, I guess it must have been right. I mean, again, I would just ask, like, let's use the homelessness example again. Why would you say before constitutional right to a home you have a constitutional right to an abortion. Wouldn't you, if you really cared about the sanctity of life, want to create a constitutional amendment that says everyone should have a home? That you have a right to a home? I mean, is there even in the in the Constitution, there is not a right to an education, correct? Well, depends on what state you are living in, but yes, they're not a federal well, right, right. But that's what I'm saying. Certainly. There's not a federal amendment that says yeah. you have a right to an education. So why is it abortion is the top of the list? There's not even in the Constitution Amendment that says you have a right to health care, is there? Not yet. No. Well, and this is, this is, William, why your point about move to a different area is so well taken. Because you're, we're now living in a time where mobility is a lot easier, right? It's a lot easier to save up, and it's a lot cheaper to move around than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, when the country was first founded. So if this is such a watershed issue for you, just like if gun rights is, right, if you feel unsafe living in a state with open carry laws, with looser gun control laws, then you would move. And what I find interesting is a move that the, the market has made, which I think this is largely a political move in the sense of marketing, kowtowing to the social pressures 
Uh, we've seen companies like Disney and Facebook say that they'll cover employees' expenses if they have to travel for abortion services now that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. So there's a couple things about this, William. First of all, um, aren't Disney and Facebook mainly based in California? Uh, well, Facebook for sure. Disney, I mean, you could make an argument, but I think they're mainly based in, in California, yes. Yeah, they're mainly based in Burbank. Now, they are in Florida, and I think that's largely the political move on Disney's part here, right? It's the idea that they've been in this battle with DeSantis, so now they're doing this to, you know, stand against DeSantis and put more pressure on him, right? But they are mainly based in Burbank, and Facebook, certainly, this should never be an issue for people who work for Facebook unless they're working remotely, right? So this is all just sort of virtue signaling. And then I completely lost. I said there were a couple things. Oh, yeah, I remember what the second thing is. The second thing is, again, with the why is abortion so high on the radar here? My question is, will these companies also cover employees' expenses if they have to travel for other health care services? What if you have a rare condition and the world-leading surgeon is in another city? Say you're in Boston and the world-leading surgeon is in Chicago. Will your company then pay for you to go and get that surgery if it's a matter of health? What is the standard here? Is the standard actually employees' health or is the standard here social pressure? Or virtue signaling. Is this a new right, opportunity would... for companies to, to virtue signal? Right. I was putting virtue signaling under social pressure. I mean, I think that, and let me ask you what you think, I think that it's hard to argue that a company can't do what it wants with its money, right? If they want to cover employees' expenses for travel for abortion services, that is that company, those owners of those companies, right? Yeah. But my question Donate is... Donate to our Patreon to fund my trip to Germany to see my sister. I mean right. my abortion. Healthcare. I need healthcare. <laughs> Yeah, can they even ask? I mean, that's another thing, right? Can the company go, well, are you actually pregnant? Like, is that even allowed? I, think, I don't know. It might be a privacy violation. We'll see. Right. So there, there, there's an interesting discussion there. But would you be opposed to a company paying for travel for any other surgeries? No, not at all. Like, so say somebody needed but what if But what surgery. if Chick-fil-A refuses to pay for my trip to Germany to get my abortion? Ah, uh, see, now, now we're, we're talking about it here. It's, again, the same tactic that's always used, right? This is the, the heart of the entire issue here. I wasn't even intending to end up here, but you've raised an excellent point, William. We have the letter of the law that this country was founded on, which is a, a viable system, not without its flaws, but it's a viable system, and we continue to violate that in order to do what optically looks good right it optically looks good to be like oh we'll help you but that company won't well yes perhaps it does make you seem more empathetic or compassionate but both of those things are legal and we can't just decide companies are immoral and they're bad at their services and likewise with states right this was one of the questions about the people in california protesting Right. 
We can't just decide everybody in every other state is terrible if they want to ban abortion after 15 weeks or they want to ban abortion in certain conditions, right? Why are they, William, in California protesting? Is it not going to stay? You says you are 100% correct. It's the virtue signaling. They have to make a show. Like, it has to be, you have to show that you're a moral upstanding social justice warrior and this is an opportunity because it's literal nazis uh that have uh uh somehow it's a radically activist court for you know a very narrow and reasoned decision i mean i, I can imagine what an actual it's a very like, activist Roe court versus Wade, saying, that decision was a radical decision right, right. was an Correct. activist decision and the fact that right. they undid it and undid it so narrowly is somehow also a radical decision is hilarious to me well, right, and uh, you've exactly pointed out the irony that this leads to. The complete inversion of everything. The inversion of what it means to be an individual. The inversion of what it means to be selfless and selfish, right? The idea that to be selfish is to be narcissistic, right? Well, no, to be narcissistic is actually to be selfless because you you act in a way as if everybody else is less important than you. It's, it's that hyper concern. You're so concerned with what everybody else thinks of you that you care protecting about yourself so much. That's the opposite. And that's what this all leads to is this inversion. You just point out the inversion of active, right? Being an activist versus whatever the opposite of being an act. I don't want to say a pacifist because obviously that doesn't mean the same thing, but you get the point I'm making, right? Literally this decision, literally this decision is. The federal government becomes less active. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. That's the Constitution doing less. And then it says the authority to regulate is returned to the people and their elected representatives. So the federal government is less active and you all are more active. So I guess in that sense, they're making it so, oh, the the local governments know what we want, which in that case, I mean, good. It's just sort of what bothers me is the rhetoric, as you said, which is virtue signaling, which is that's how we've gotten ourselves into this mess. The left, and I know it's very unpopular to say this because it's like, oh, the right does blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that right now. The left has, at least over my entire life, and I believe before that, made it so peer pressure is used to only be able to express leftist opinions publicly or else Mm -hmm. you are insulted and called a host of insulting things such as as you pointed out it's now gotten to the point of calling people nazis yeah and i know a lot of folks in the discord are chiming in uh you know from the from the rights sort of aspects more from the philosophy law aspect and and you know, hey, that's a great discussion. Love, uh, love to have that discussion. Maybe we'll continue in Discord. But that's not as interesting to me as this cultural part, right? And both parts are interesting. And I'm sure there's other folks that'll handle the the rights part of the discussion more frequently. You know, a couple people pointed out, you know, uh, rights are up to a, a popular vote. Yeah, of course they they aren't. And uh, 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 we have uh, Chandler pointing out that uh, um, the point is not. That the right uh, that the right of a woman to have an abortion. The point is that a fetus has no rights. End of discussion. And yeah, I, and these are all things that I can agree with. Of course, there's additional subtle nuances and things like that that we can get into. But uh, this cult, this I this 
this cultural reaction is the part is the farce part, right? The the, the confusion on rights has been something that's uh, that's been around since the beginning of the Constitution, but the way that the culture is responding to this is is the farce that we're we're witnessing at least right now. Right, exactly. I mean, Chandler's point about the, you know, what's the the discussion about the the right of a woman to have an abor- abortion or the rights of the fetus having, you know, the fetus having rights or not, right? That's so far down the line. The whole point is, you know, what are what are the rights conferred by the federal government? And if the federal government is not conferring a right to an abortion, it's certainly not conferring rights to a fetus. So we don't even need to have that discussion. You get what I'm saying, William? Yeah, yeah, you're cutting it off in a di- at the knees in a different direction. I think both both are, in my opinion, the same. Ultimately, uh, two sides of the same coin here, which is clarity in thinking and and fixing the concepts that we have about rights. And you know, like 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 we just like we started the discussion with the fact that it's not a right guaranteed by the Constitution does not mean it's not a right. That's like too many negatives. You have rights. Lots of them. Most of them will not be conferred to you in the federal constitution, right? Like right. that's the whole point. This is a that was the ninth was... and tenth amendment. Go <laughs> exactly. learn about the ninth and tenth amendment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, Lucid Fitzpatrick in the in the Discord said something. Said, "Thankfully, our federal government intentionally moves at slower frequency than mob emotional cycles." And again, that was part of the point of the design of the system, right? Where the federal government's supposed to be a lot slower than the state governments. Right, that that's done intentionally. Yeah, then he also just shared a tweet he said he had abortion. I've never seen a controversy with so much certainty and so little clarity. And that's getting to the point I've been making, right? Like, why is this where we're drawing a line in the sand? Like, I get it with gun violence, right? I get it, especially when you see, right, what happened in Texas a few weeks ago, right? When you see events like that, I get it. But at the same time, there is literally a constitutional amendment to own guns, right? So it's it's and we've got as I pointed out uh, on Twitter myself, you know that we, we've not done too well, right? Yeah. All right. Well, when we're speaking about the power of the federal government and it moving slower, yeah, it does move slower, and we are concerned about our rights in regards to it. But then, why is nobody talking about something you shared this week, William? <laughs> this entire plan Biden unveiled to get rid of all nicotine and cigarettes, oh, and then also the FDA banned Juul, Juul e-cigarettes. Yeah. This is crazy. Like this is insane, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, uh, Justin, I know uh, 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 that you're a strong proponent of uh, of, uh, of uh, all things uh, debaucherous, including uh, alcohol and uh, cigarettes, but. Uh, well, look, this, well, I'm going to cut you off right there because this is exactly the point when we're talking about with nuance and we're talking yeah. about rights and we're talking yeah. about all these things, right? Like, I am straight edge. I would never smoke. I've never done any nicotine, right? I've never done any drugs. I've never done any alcohol, but legalize all of it. Exactly. Legalize exactly. all of it. At least on the federal level. Utah, if Utah wants to do whatever it wants. <laughs> Ban caffeine or whatever. Ban caffeine. That's fine. <laughs> that's their right. Then go pick to live in the place where it most aligns with your views on that, right? Like, yeah. Orlando is not, like, a big drinking town. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
it's fine for me here. Now, Vegas is sort of like Orlando, but with drinking. So I probably am happier in Orlando than Vegas. These are the decisions you have to make as a rational adult, especially that you're fortunate enough to live in the time where you can move around, like we were saying with the last story. Mm-hmm. That's your white privilege, I think, Justin, being able to move around. I mean, so, yeah, probably. I, this is... Uh... This is uh, weirdly hilarious. I feel like we're like in a time machine The uh, with this story. Yeah, we're banning Juul e-cigarettes. Are the kids even using Juuls anymore? Have they moved on to other things? I feel like this is a, this is a uh, will someone think of the children on steroids? Yeah, they have to prove a negative. They have to prove that the, uh, that somehow some of the chemicals in the cartridge themselves is not leaking into. I don't even understand what they're having to do. They're banning uh, non-nicotine and mint or menthol flavors. Now, remember, menthol flavor was uh, originally uh, to uh, um, increase sales among uh, minorities, let's say. Uh, I, uh, we don't want to get too controversial. Uh, where I already hit our controversy limit with uh, the abortion discussion earlier. Cancel. So, so it's okay. Yeah, it's okay to um, uh, keep the one that attracts, uh, you know, African-Americans. Uh, but but the children will, will take the fruit flavors out. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. It seems like... Um, Right now, we're increasing the amount of flavors and uh, and delivery mechanisms for weed in California, specifically. I, 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 I've, I've walked uh, into the vape store here in California, and it, they've slowly expanded their uh, their uh, their marijuana uh, products lines in anticipation of this. So we're gonna we're gonna stamp this out. We're gonna stamp this uh, this uh, alternative to cigarettes out. Um, uh, I think at the federal level, at least as long as Biden is around. Well, and what you did is you just raised an interesting question in my mind. Is there a more insidious purpose here in regards to marijuana? Is this trying to shift everyone to marijuana purposely? I don't know. What did the tobacco companies do lately to Biden? I don't know. I mean, because this is a jewel, just for the record, like the... Like any other market, we've got... What's really going on here is regulatory capture, okay? Um, The tobacco companies... Uh, wanted to move, uh, uh, they've been prodding through their advocacy, uh, their anti-smoking advocacy groups, because remember, follow the money, they pay for those uh, anti-smoking advocacy groups. Um, They've been um, clamoring for regulation, and and, uh, we've had stories over the last few years about, um, oh, we're, well, your uh, vape juice, which is, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, propylene glycol, glycerin, and nicotine, that's basically the only three things in it. Oh, well, you you can only, uh, you have to get it tested by federal labs, and there's only like three labs, and it costs a bajillion dollars, and uh, all this. So they've been adding and adding and adding these regula- regulations in the name of regulatory capture, pushing out all the other market players, so that all that's left is, surprise, surprise, the, the tobacco companies that can pay for, you know, all this compliance-related things. And so this is sort of the last step of that, and it's, uh, I guess it's just, uh, you know, Typical politicians just not they haven't got enough ransom yet to make this legal. So I don't think this is gonna. I don't think that I think that there might be part of this like pushing it to uh, marijuana thing, but I think this is just uh, this is just the final step. The, they'll they'll figure out some like uh, obligatory, super expensive regulatory mechanism and framework. The uh, the uh, whatever they aren't getting enough money. The think of the children argument will come back up again. Um, with the flavors things, I don't even know how you, like, uh, you can just add the flavoring to things. So, 
Uh, and you can add the nicotine. You, I, I, I don't, I, as far as I know, it's still legal to buy just the nicotine oil. So, uh, I know at the beginning of this whole vaping craze, people were making it at home. So, uh, it, it's not like these chemicals are, are, uh, are not widely available. Uh, you may have to do a little research to make sure you're getting lab grade and not like, you know, I don't know, Joe Bob's grade, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this Joe is, Bob's uh, grade sounds like a good brand. <laughs> that's going to be my, my brand. I'm going to start selling some, uh, Joe Bob's grade gonna... <laughs> vape. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's about all I have to say on that market. Well, William, everything you're saying makes me think about, especially in light of a conversation about constitutional rights. Didn't we already try this with an amendment for prohibition? And isn't this just the prohibition movement oh, done man. more slowly? What right, where they great, tried to ban cigarettes. And we need to we need to ban um, uh, peppermint schnapps and uh, Goldschlager. Uh, all those flavors must be for kids, right? I mean, only children want um, uh, uh, cherry wine or uh, uh, any of the cordials, right? Was it uh, J- JD and Scrubs always had an apple teeny? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, what about triple sec? That's that's the orange flavor. You can't have that. Think of the children. But that's what I'm saying. They tried back then to do it all in one foul swoop and literally make an amendment. But they realized that would never work because it's unconstitutional. So they figured out how to slowly regulate things into controlling people's behaviors. You're telling me white claw black cherry is not not a a, a flavor marketed to children? Come on now. White well, claw how is about a, we uh, yeah. we. We covered it previously, but I finally saw a TV commercial today for Mountain Dew with alcohol. Hard Mountain Dew. That's I finally saw a TV commercial for that. I know. That was my first thought, too. I was like, what adults? Like, first of all, what adult drinks Mountain Dew, right? Every time I have a Mountain Dew. Like, do if I'm ever Dew, like, baby. I, look, I don't like to drink caffeine, and like 99% of the time I don't. I don't consider it part of straight edge. I just don't like, you know... Uh, I get headaches from it. I don't like what it does to me. But if I'm ever super, super tired and I need energy, I will drink a Mountain Dew. But I immediately feel like I've cut like five years off my life when I drink a Mountain Dew. So what adults are drinking a Mountain Dew and what adults are going to drink a Mountain Dew with alcohol? Uh, I don't know. I might do it for a laugh. I don't know that I would be able to finish the whole can. <laughs> I might Channel use it as a prop. R in the chat here is he's joking, William. He's joking. He says, I thought the Flintstones THC gummies were a bit much. I mean, he's joking, but that's not that far out of the realm of possibilities here. I can see that happening. Especially, isn't it crazy? Yeah, I'm sure someone's done something. Well, isn't the fact that we already use cartoon characters to give kids vitamins, isn't that already an issue? Like, I mean, I. I don't know. There's just don't get me on my straight edge horse here. All right, let's move painful. on to the last story. Sounds very painful. Yeah. Well, you know what else sounds painful for you, William? Oh man. Uh, mortgage prices. Mortgage prices. Because there was a headline on CNBC. I can't win in this market. Why LGBTQ homeowners say mortgage rates are hitting them especially hard. Uh, this seems on its face absurd to me. It doesn't seem like housing prices discriminate. So let me actually delve into the article and read three paragraphs here that seem to be the core of their argument. Now, I say I'm reading these three because I read the rest of the article, William, and none of it 
applies to just LGBTQ. The majority of this article seemed to just be like, yeah, mortgage prices and home costs are really, really high right now for everyone. And then there were these three paragraphs. The rapid rise in the cost of a home is particularly impactful for the LGBTQ community, which is less likely to own a home. First-time home buyers have to pay the higher prices without getting a boost from the value selling an existing property that they own. So when I read this first paragraph, all my thought is, well, why are LGBTQ people less likely to own a home? Let's see what these other two paragraphs say. According to the Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law, 50% of LGBTQ adults and 64% of LGBTQ couples own their own homes. For non-LGBTQ groups, those numbers are 70% and 75%. Historical data on home ownership rates by sexuality were not tracked by the Census Bureau, but surveys from the LGBTQ Plus Real Estate Alliance suggest that home ownership for couples and singles in their community has been trending up since the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage in 2015. Zillow reported in 2021 that LGBT, apparently Q+, Zillow didn't track, so I don't know if we can take this seriously, Zillow. You have to track LGBTQ+, not just LGBT. So, Zillow, we don't know if this is legitimate. LGBT people accounted for 12% of home buyers, up from 7% in 2019. So, William, there's clearly a discrepancy in these stats, right, where we say 70% versus 50%, 75% versus 64%. Is yeah. that a cultural issue? Is that a sexuality issue? I mean, I, I, I don't want to ask this question. Well, I'm going to say something that's Is probably going to get me canceled. Okay? Well, I... I was sort of going to ask that. Like, is there less commitment in there's the There's lower marriage people? rate, right? Okay. Uh, That's what I'm asking I think about. also there's a difference. There's an urban-suburban, um, um, uh, you know, country split, right? That's different. I think, uh, I think it, it, I don't have the statistics, but it would not surprise me to say that most LGBT folks live in cities. Like way higher well, rate than just other, just if you just went straight couples, right? I mean, you're out there, William. The place where I have seen the highest percentage of gay men is Southern California. Yeah. Very urban area, right? Yeah. Right. So then. And no one can buy a house out here unless you're, I don't know, very, very rich. Right. So then, is this something that is hitting them in particular, or is it their lifestyle choices? And by lifestyle choices, I do not mean being gay. I mean lifestyle choices as far as where to where, where to live. live. I mean, yeah. yeah, I know someone who works for Disney, and I'm not going to say any names, and is considering living in Florida, continuing to work for Disney, but it's tough for him because he is gay and enjoys the gay community out in Southern California. But if you What's look at those two... Him? <laughs> sorry i think i knew this i mean is, so I, I, they'll I, get the joke <laughs> right also i think we'll get into a little bit of that with the first movie trailer oh, as far yeah. as uh yeah I, th I think that the first movie trailer hits on a lot of what you're talking about there but the point being there is a difference in i don't even want to say quality because he gets to decide what the quality of his life is but there is a difference with type of life Right. And then when you look at cost of living, even though the cost of living is going up dramatically here, it would be a lot lower here. But then he would be in a different sort of culture here in Florida. So 
When I say lifestyle choices, that's what I mean. So is this discrepancy really about the market hurting them or is it about the lifestyle choices they've already made? I mean, if I had, look, if I had stayed in Anaheim, in Southern California, I wouldn't be in the house right now. I wouldn't be owning a house right now. Yeah, I I don't plan on owning a house in L.A. County. Ever. I, I sure it's a it's a it's a it's a nice uh, it would be if you built a time machine and bought a house back in the 90s, um, you'd be a bajillionaire now here in uh, L.A. But uh, it just uh, it, it's not just the price, right? It's the uh, it's the everything else that comes with it. Right. Even even as yeah. an investment property, it would be a nightmare. Uh, Midsider Lucid in the Discord asked an interesting question. Uh, first of all, he's talking about Gen Z. Are Gen Z in the uh, home buying age yet? That's my question. Like, what's Gen Z considered? Uh, gay? Question mark? I don't know. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> talking about the age group for Gen Z. Oh, no, I don't know. Gen Z age group. So they're, yeah, so they're born 1997 to 2012, so they're ages 10 to 25. So they could be considered early home buyers, right? Yeah. And he's pointing out that there is a shift in demographics where more people in Gen Z, and I can say this as a high school teacher and coach, are identifying, he's saying, trans, but I think it's everything, right? Yeah. There's more oh, people yeah. just identifying as queer in general. Yeah, right. very fashionable right now. So that affects the t- statistics as well. So there's a lot of things affecting this. And, you know, you saying it's fashionable, that's kind of the thing that's farcical to me about the story the most. Yeah. Right. We've been kind of dancing around it. But what's farcical to me is the idea that everything that happens to you is a result of some singular aspect of your personality, especially some singular aspect of your personality that's considered an oppressed class. Everyone always refers back to it's like you said where someone called the abortion decision racist. Alright, so from your silence, I'm gonna take it as you completely agree with what I just oh, said. I was trying to hit the drop and it didn't work. I am still oh. privileged in some way. I think that's really the answer. Everyone, right. everyone's privilege, privileged in some way, and uh, except for uh, currently, and th- for the perspective of this article, uh, LGBTQIA plus LMNOPs. And Amber Heard. What? No, she's still privileged too. All right. So I think that brings an end to the news section with all the farce from this week, and just hopefully we covered it well enough. I. I would like to believe I did. It's just, it's a very difficult issue to get right and to talk about correctly because all, inevitably somebody's going to listen to some of your phrasing and get really, really upset about it. So if that happened to you, eh, remember, I disavowed anything that's ever said and will be said on this show. All right, let's head into talking about some art in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. Favorite episodes. I can't find a new picture for the studio. I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events. In the airtime, my laps, my made for TV type was written 
wasn't focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Or as you hear, we've had a lot of participation today in the Discord while we record. That's awesome because you can listen to us live via Discord. We usually record on Sundays. Uh, all you got to do is go to midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and then within the episode, there is a link for a join code. You click on that, you can join the Discord, and you know, you can you can bug me all week because I'm one of these people who I'm on my phone a lot, except when I'm coaching. So if I'm ever completely silent and ignoring you people, you know it's because I'm coaching. Or I'm seeing a movie. And you know what movie I saw this week, William? What'd you see? I saw Elvis. The Boz oh, Lorber movie. This was I've heard some this, controversial takes on this movie, so I'm interested to see what you thought. Okay, that's interesting that you've heard controversial takes. Uh, because this was my most anticipated movie of the year, and I will say that it lived up to my expectations. This was my as I've been doing lately, my one sentence review on Letterboxd, which I will then go into more depth. I said, with his trademark visual flair, Boz Lerman tells the story of how Elvis's greatness was abused and how that tragedy was reflective of the problems in the nation then and perhaps now. So this whole movie is framed not through the eyes of Elvis, but through the uh, uh, eyes of his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who, and this was something I didn't even know, financially abused him. And this was exposed after Elvis's death, where, you know, the, um, the overlay, the text overlay at the end of the movie says that he was sued and money was given back to Elvis's family and such. And you saw through in the movie how Elvis constantly was in a battle with what he wanted to do with his career and his music and how Colonel Tom Parker, his manager, wanted him to act. I mean, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie where I think Elvis is sort of full Elvis is where he decides not to be the new Elvis, which is the more family-friendly Elvis that Colonel Tom Parker wanted him to be, but he decides to do what he thinks is best with his art, and he tells people that. And it's such an amazing scene. And overall, you can look at this movie as sort of more dark because it's a tragic tale. But the reality of the situation is that it's a tragic tale. And I think that's where Lerman really succeeds is he uses his his trademark style to celebrate Elvis. But on the other hand, show the darkness that underlied his career and underlied the nation that led to his demise. Yes, he made choices and he certainly, I believe based on the way the story was told. And again, I can just, I'm talking about the movie here. I don't know the reality of the situation, but within the movie, he certainly could have decided to fight against Colonel Tom Parker. And the fact that those lawsuits were won after his death proves to me that he could have, Somebody just signed off. I guess he didn't want to be spoiled. Um, Proves to me that uh, he could have in real life fought against him in court and gotten money back and everything and not because what happened is he tries to leave the colonel and the colonel says, oh, here's all the expenses you owed me for. Right. Here's all the expenses you owed me for. Uh, 
And he says, okay, well then I'm just going to stay on with you. So I don't owe you $8 million or whatever it is. So, you know, he certainly, I think could have fought back more, but I think the movie does a good job of showing how the cultural forces make it difficult for Elvis to, I mean, it makes a point of showing things such as MLK being assassinated and Bobby Kennedy being assassinated And a lot of people may ask, well, how is that relevant to the story? I think it's relevant because it's relevant to Elvis and his journey. I mean, especially MLK being from Memphis, right? And Elvis being from Memphis. And something that's interesting, too, is the juxtaposition of Elvis in between white and black culture. I mean, we see this with Eminem who did a song, you know, he had a, a line from way back in the day. It was compares himself to Elvis and he quote unquote used black music. So selfishly. So I think Lerman, I think he, he walks the line perfectly. He addresses all of these things. Well, and it's interesting to me that such an Austra- uh, Australian director, he's from Australia, I, that he can get such an American movie and, and a movie that gets Americanism. And I mean, I knew Elvis had died at a young age. I didn't realize he died in his early 40s. I thought he died in his early 50s. So it showed me how much I didn't know about Elvis. And it was told in a very compelling way. And I think perhaps my only sort of critique of it is maybe it's a little too long. It got to a point near the end where I was like, okay, well, can we just get to the point where he's in Vegas? Can we just get to his death? And then, you know, it goes a little bit after he dies, but it was kind of necessary to do that to tell the story properly. So, I mean, on my scale, I give this a so romantic. That's wow. how, how much I like this movie. And it's, I think it's the best movie of the year so far. So I'm curious, William, what are the controversial things you've heard about the movie? I heard one, <clears throat> one uh, reviewer really take issue with... Um, for him, for the reviewer that I, I watched, uh, he's someone that is very into the sort of the life and biography and very knowledgeable of Elvis. And for him, the artistic license taken to do all the things that you just said that you appreciate about the movie, for him felt like a warping of Elvis's actual life and uh, and almost like uh, uh, sort of doing what... Uh, <laughs> what his manager did to Elvis all over again. So for him, because he knew the story so well, he was, it, for him, it became a, uh, a, uh, like Elvis's manager. Like, here's a story of Elvis's manager abusing him. And we're going to do that by abusing the, the reality around Elvis's actual life and what he cared about. So I mean, I do think was... there's a sort of irony there. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's you why get, well, you was... get to the, you get to the end of the movie, William. And it says one of the producers is Toby Emmerich. And as Zack Snyder fans here in the midside, uh, we know what WB and Toby Emmerich did to a genius artistic visionary. They pushed him to not be a genius artistic visionary. Yet this guy making a movie about that throws in with that kind of person. So there is an irony. Uh, my, yeah. my question is, can you think of any specifics this reviewer talked about? Uh, so I guess... <sighs> I'm not going to be able to really off the top of my head. Uh, one thing I remember them pointing out was there was not enough about the marriage and 
the wife and that influence. And then there wasn't as much about, uh, uh, about the music and the musical influence and the artistic side. So there's a lot of the culture stuff, but not a lot of the music, not a, not, there's a relationship with someone. And I don't remember who off the top of my head, someone from the, um, from the, you know, the, the black music scene that was like, Hey, this was like an integral part of his life. And like, there was none of this really explored. I don't remember who it was, but. Oh, well, they showed his relationship with B.B. King, and I think they, they did show that. Yeah. They showed that, and I, I think that this this reviewer, this is probably somebody you listen to a lot, but this is an example of why I don't pay attention to a lot of reviewers and why I get yeah. annoyed with a lot of conversation, yep. because this doesn't sound like somebody who's coming from an artistic perspective, because what he's really arguing with is emphasis here, and the yes. emphasis of this yes. movie was not like, this wasn't... Um, this wasn't the Queen movie. What was the Queen movie called? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, right? This isn't Bohemian Rhapsody. Exactly. Right? This wasn't about the music. I think that's what this reviewer wanted it to be, right? Right. It wasn't about that. The, the music was in there. It was shown that uh, Elvis was at the juxtaposition of, he was at the crossroads of gospel and R&B. That was shown there. Beale Street is shown in there. I mean, they show the songs that he sings later on being sung by black artists first. They show that and they show him falling in love with Priscilla and they show that relationship. But the point of that relationship was that was something he wanted and not something Colonel Tom Parker wanted for him. And the point of that crossroads that he existed in between was that was an obstacle for Colonel Tom Parker, but it was what made Elvis strong. So that's all in there, but that's not the focus of the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense to me. All right. Was there anything else you heard controversial wise? No, no, that was, that was the, uh, that was the main thrust of it. Okay. Well, I would highly recommend this movie and I'd be interested to see what other people have to say about it. It's just, like I said, so many people, when they talk about these kind of movies and things, they just, they miss the point. There, there's so much, you know, emphasis that's changed with these things. Okay, let's move forward. Uh, let's talk about some movies that are going to come out. Uh, I usually post the trailers for Trailer Takedown in the Discord uh, the Saturday before we record. That's so if you want, you can go in Discord, watch them, and share your opinions. We had a bunch of opinions that um, we had a bunch of opinions that we're going to share this week in the chat because I think there's one trailer in particular that I've already referred to that's very interesting. Uh, or you can, you know, watch them whenever you want. Maybe we, we talk about all the trailers, you watch them, or you alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. Bros is a rom-com written by Billy Eichner and directed by Nicholas Stoller, who also directed movies such as Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Neighbors. And Forgetting Sarah Marshall is a great comedy, and Neighbors is pretty good as well. And I think when you look at the production value and the execution of this trailer, William, it shows how much having an actually talented director with a good budget benefits a movie. Because the way this movie is written and the premise, I could see this being like an indie gay movie, which isn't very good because of the low 
quality of the budget and the low talent of the director. But this, just execution-wise, looks like it could be on that same level. Now there becomes an issue, becomes a question, I don't necessarily want to use the word issue, question of the content. And this is where, I don't know, maybe I am intolerant, whereas there's (laughs) a lot of this that looked funny. There's a lot of this that looked funny, like the LGBTQ plus museum, and they seem to be making fun of the LGBTQ plus movement where, you know, you have the Dean from community talking about bisexual week. And then you have, uh, that other lesbian actress who I believe was in, um, was in Glee, uh, say, you know, talking about lesbian history month and all that kind of stuff. All those jokes are very funny, but then as this trailer goes and it's just, you know, an entire movie about gay guys, I, I just, I find myself not wanting to watch it. That doesn't mean I don't think it's going to be good, and I don't think it's interesting, because, you know, uh, let's see what GS says, you know, the romance between the two guys from different walks of life seems charming and relatable, and then he, uh, likewise, he has deeper problems with the back half of the trailer, he says it's fairly malevolent. He talks about a six-year-old doing a, a bottom dance, and he calls it normalizing child abuse and grooming behavior. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say that. I don't think but, I'd go that far either, but I, I understand. But, right. But for me, like, I don't know if I want to watch a movie about gay guys falling in love. Like, I just, not that I don't think it could be funny and good, but then he also says, uh, you know, he's really interested in hearing William's thoughts on the first trailer. No pressure. And, um... I want to hear your thoughts too, because I think it has inter- interesting stuff in it. And, you know, Midsider Lucid says, I'm op- optimistic about this one. If they go all in on sodomizing or satirizing woke commentary, re LGBTQ, and juxtapose that nonsense with a meaningful, value driven, read individualistic love story at its core, this could be a red lever comedy. And I agree conceptually. Yeah, yeah. But do I want to watch that? And that's the thing I wanted to ask you about. So what I wanted to ask you about, and I'll give my review right after I say this, uh, I want to ask you about, this movie seemed to strike at something you talk about all the time. The idea that there's one way to be gay, where the main character is falling in love with a guy who's more of a bro and less of a stereotypical gay guy, and he's having trouble coming to terms with that. And I will say, sort of to preface what you're going to say, that makes me want to give this movie a chance. I don't think I would see this movie in theaters unless there's nothing else to see. But because of that romance at the core, and it seems to be striking at the heart of the issue of things you talk about all the time, and that Midsider Lucid talks about what he says, maybe it's individualistic. That makes me want to give this movie a chance, especially because I think Nicholas Stoller and the other movies he's directed... Right when we're talking about forgetting Sarah Marshall, get him to the Greek neighbors. Those have all been pretty innocuous or positive morally in the sense of individualistic. So for me, I, th- I think I would have to give this a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. So, uh, I, uh, you know, my standard, my normal standard is uh, for comedies, did I giggle? And I definitely giggled. 
There are a couple of good funny parts. When we talk about, yeah, yeah, I know you want me to jump straight into the theme, but I have to agree with you first on a couple of the other things. The uh, the production value looks great. Um, the acting is actually good, um, at least from what we can see in the trailer. And uh, yeah, I I definitely get some of the uh, that that tension that they're bringing out between someone who's you know, like you said, more of a bro to use the term from the title of the movie. I would say that. You know, everyone's 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 sort of like individual individualized take on the larger concept of masculinity is very different, right? So I I, I think that this hits at a core issue that a lot like like you know, you and I have talked about a lot for me. Um so yeah, it does look interesting for me. Uh it's a it, it's an interesting perspective though for coming from the other direction. Like what is it what it would it be like for me it's like what would it be like for someone to you know, to be in that sort of, uh, that sort of situation and that, and to deal with the kinds of things that are in the community. There's a lot of roadblocks in the community in general when it comes to relationships anyway in the gay community. But when you're talking about this kind of differential, right? Someone who doesn't fit into the stereotype, it looks interesting. And there's probably going to be a lot of comedy there too. So I, 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 some parts of it made me a little uncomfortable, but I, I'm also like intrigued by it. So like, I think if this goes in the right direction, if it be, if it's more individualistic, if it if it if it treats the characters well, and uh, and like some of the uh, listeners have pointed out, continues to poke fun at the foibles of the of the quote unquote community and the quote unquote message, then uh, I think this could be really funny and it could be really benevolent. And I think that is the important thing. If this turns malevolent, if this turns, um, uh, I don't know. If it tries to, uh, I would be surprised. The way I'll know that it's going to be good is how many woke people are, uh, literally shaking and crying, um, based on the trailer or based on the, uh, the release. If there's people that are, that don't like it because, oh, they made fun of X or Y or Z, then I think it's, that's a, probably a good sign that they've uh, they've hit the right mark because it doesn't read to me as any sort of satire, right? It, it's it, it, as in the relationship being satirical, um, but they're they're pointing out some of the absurdities that that you know at least I see in the community and using that as the comedic background for like how do you have a relationship? How do you have a gay relationship in kind of today's world? Um, Which could be witnessing this, the farce. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, might be a comedy. I I rarely go see a comedy in the theater, so uh, so I'm gonna go see this and hope that it is. Hug. Mm, Maybe I can take a date to it, Justin. Well, there's a certain. I was thinking that when you were talking about it, because like you always think about it from your perspective. What what would the difficulties be for a more stereotypical gay guy trying to yeah, date you? Try to date me, uh, right? Yeah. So there could be a sort of meta meta level of bringing someone as a date to this movie for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Second trailer. One up is I don't even really want to like talk about what this movie is because I think I think. Uh, GS said it best. Looks abysmally woke. I mean, you want to talk it's about the Gamergate, opposite? the movie. <laughs> it's all so about the Gamergate. Opposite, 
<laughs> the opposite of what we were just talking about, right? Like we're like, oh wow, we're we're like, a, you know, this movie could do things right, and like we're tentative about it because we don't really believe it's possible, but it looks like the trailer does. This is like what a trailer would look like if they're completely doing everything completely wrong. So there's a team of e gamers. They're mean to the girls. The girls leave and start their own team. Ruby Rose is their coach, and they have to win for some reason. I forget the reason because I really didn't care. Uh, why anyone would want to see this movie, this would be like the Mighty Ducks kicking all the girls off their team and then the girls turning around and trying to beat them in a hockey game. Like, I, I just don't care. It's not interesting to me. I mean, I guess it's a little more interesting because it's not, like, physical, and I guess you could argue there are no, like, biological differences that are going to... If only that know, were true. Hurt men, you know, women versus men in, in gaming, right? Now, I don't get into a discussion about, like, hand-eye coordination, times, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Don't don't get... The point I'm making is, I guess it makes a little more sense than doing, like, the, the Mighty Ducks example, but still, I don't care. This looks stupid. And not only does it look stupid, the execution is terribly awful. This production value here is terribly awful. It looks like they were like, oh, let's take Mighty Ducks and cross it with Pitch Perfect. They even have the fat girl who says absurd things. Right? Just like, well, I forget that woman's name in Pitch Perfect. Right? The Australian one. This has been done a million times before. It's been done better, and it's been done without the social justice stuff. Tackle. Tackle. You go, girl. Tackle. Third trailer. Not Okay is about an influencer or a woman who wants to be an influencer who is faking a trip to Paris, and as she fakes that trip, there are terrorist attacks in Paris. So she suddenly gets a whole bunch of followers in which she continues to fake that she's in Paris. Now, I will say this. I do appreciate the premise of this movie, and um, like uh, GS says, he says, uh, the actress is perfect for this part. Um, Midsider Cody says he's into it, right? So I do agree the actress is perfect, and I am into sort of the premise of this movie, right? It's all about evasion, and it's all about how social media has made evasion into an art form, you know, pretending life is different than it actually is. Now, I don't know how they're going to, you know, end this movie, but, you know, surely there has to be some sort of consequences to her actions and everything, but that becomes my problem with a movie like this. I don't want to watch a movie where for the entire time the protagonist is an awful person and then I'm supposed to like not want her to fail or I'm supposed to, you know, not want her to get her just desserts. I don't know. I just don't see the value. It's the same sort of thing I had with a dear Evan Hansen where he was just, you know, he was lying and evading the whole movie to the point that I was just like, I lost all sympathy for him. And it's the same thing here. If that's your main character, it, yeah, okay, it's not okay. Yeah, I get it. That's the point. I don't need to watch a whole movie of that. It won't be enjoyable for me. You're just making me watch somebody be a terrible person for 90 minutes to two hours. No, thank you. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, uh, the way I would characterize it is, uh, where's the redemption arc, right? Is there a redemption arc? Otherwise, there's nothing, there's no value to this for me. I, I see this every day on social media. Why do I want to see it in a movie form? No, thank you. Tackle. Final trailer. Barbarian is a horror movie where a young woman goes to, I assume, an Airbnb and finds that it's double booked, although 
she assumes it's double book. She never asked the guy. Like, it seems like a really easy plot you could you know, use, a scheme you could use, you know, rent out a place to somebody and then still be living there, right? That seems like that could happen. Um, and then other spooky, crazy stuff starts happening. Now, I am sort of in the same camp as Midsider Cody here, where he says, a trailer that literally gives you nothing plot-wise, my ideal situation, looks fun, I'll check it out. Look, I like these sort of like horror movies where it's got a, like a sort of unique, creepy premise, and then it adds the supernatural, the mystical to it. It's sort of the inverse of the last trailer, where if you want to make that last trailer a horror movie, I'll see that. She's going to get her just desserts, and there's some sort of mystical element. It's the same thing here. I like this idea. Oh, you you rent a place. It's an Airbnb or whatever, and it, it's creepy, and you're trying to figure out what's going on and what it's all about and what, what the reality of the situation is. I like that. That's interesting to me. But I don't know if I would see this in theaters. It depends on what else is out at the time. So because this doesn't look like like a top-notch horror movie, like for instance, the black phone is sort of like a top-notch horror movie. I haven't seen it yet, but marketing-wise, which has the same sort of premise where it's creepy and it's horrible and you want to know what the mystery, mystical elements of it are. So I do want to see that in theaters. Uh, whereas this, I don't know if I would see this in theaters, but it is enough for me that I would watch it online if I had a chance, or I'll go if there's nothing else in theaters at the time. So I will give this a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Yeah, this is kind of this is kind of borderline for me as well. It looked uh, it looked like it might be one of those horror movies that I would see with friends and make fun of, and not necessarily. Uh, uh, want to watch on my own? I, I don't think I would watch this on my own. It just didn't. It didn't draw me. Uh, I mean, the production value looks fine. Uh, the premise is passable. I feel like this is one of those movies that they would be too slow, uh, for me to enjoy. So I think I will just lightly, very lightly, tackle. Tackle. All right, William. That brings us to the end of this episode. What did we learn this trip? I learned that it's not oppression when the FDA bans uh, 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 e-cigarettes. Um, that does not affect the LGBTQ community, but mortgage rates do. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned that we need a constitutional amendment both for every right we should have and banning every right we shouldn't have. Otherwise, oh, the Constitution will never be complete. <laughs> so good luck. Good luck, Justin's incompleteness theorem. (laughs) (laughs) Justin's incompleteness theorem, yeah. And you know what makes me incomplete? You not listening to the show. So I thank you for listening to the show. Because without you, this would just be me talking crazy into a corner in my closet. Still is that. You just make me feel a little more complete because I feel a little less crazy. And if you want to support me further... You can do so by going to midside.com slash store, picking up any merch, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. Patreon is per episode, locals is per month. Or you can do the best thing to grow the show, tell a friend. Tell them, hopefully, hopefully you can tell them how reasoned our discussion was this week about the whole uh, Supreme Court ruling and about the conversation around it. That's really what I was trying to dig into this week. I was really trying to say, hey, we're not talking about this right. We're not talking about the reality of the situation. We're talking about whatever socially acceptable feelings there are about the situation. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emma's asking, reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back 
and witness the farce. Have an abortion or not. So, Justin, uh, as soon as the uh, decision came out on in the morning, uh, uh, my business partner and I reviewed our riot procedures for Long Beach. So that's uh, kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's a interesting statement on the world we live in that you had to review that. But that was that was my first thought as well. I mean, I think I put that in the group chat. Didn't wasn't the first thing I said. Have there been any riots yet? Yeah, yeah. Well, and the fact that I have a riot procedure that I train my managers and supervisors on. Is That's part of your riot procedure listening to Paramore's riot while people are rioting in your store? <laughs> uh, no, but I will update that on the checklist. 